Hello! You are listening to the first episode of What I'm Cooking for Dinner, and this is a podcast where I'm going to informally talk about what I've been cooking for dinner and sort of the adaptations, substitutions, and generally how much my cooking goes off the rails when I cook at home. Uh, So this week we're going to be talking about vindaloo, strawberry tart, beef flautas, mustard soy salmon, Mediterranean gratin, and crispy tacos. Alright, so let's start with talking about uh, the pork vindaloo. So I used a recipe from the blog Recipe Tin Eats, and I know that's a pretty big blog, I just haven't really used it all that much, and I was just to start off with, just really impressed with uh, the de- level of detail in uh, her recipe and in her head notes. Um, and I would highly recommend this website for looking for recipes. So, but let's talk about the vindaloo. Uh, vindaloo is a traditional Indian curry from Goa. Goan food is influenced by Portuguese colonization, and uh, vindaloo curry is an adaptation of a Portuguese dish. It is very fiery and spicy and super flavorful. I made it so that it wasn't so spicy uh, because my kids have very sensitive palates and stomachs um, and would not appreciate that level of spice. So I'm going to kind of go over what is in the recipe, the steps for it, and the additions and substitutions that I had to make. Okay, so there are pretty much three main parts to this recipe. There's the meat, the curry paste, and the curry sauce. For the meat, this recipe calls for uh, beef chuck, but beef is prohibitively expensive right now in Oregon and probably all across the U.S. So I actually used a pork loin roast, which was far more affordable than uh, a beef roast. Um, And then for the curry paste, it calls for cashmere chili powder, coriander seeds, cumin seeds, cloves, cardamom pods, green ones, black peppercorns, fresh ginger, garlic cloves, brown sugar, fenugreek seeds, turmeric powder, white vinegar, and water. So I was not able to find cashmere chili powder at my grocery store and it was not available um, at my local spice shop. I can get it for um, online order and get it shipped to me through Ocan Spice Shop, but that is a little bit more effort and cost and forward thinking than I had available to me this week. So I followed the recommendations in the recipe to substitute the cashmere chili powder with smoked paprika and uh, chili powder or cayenne. I didn't add any of the cayenne because I didn't really want it to be spicy and also I didn't have any cayenne. So I just went with the um, direct substitution there of the smoked paprika as well as I added in some ajika seasoning blend that I have from Trader Joe's. Ajika seasoning is a traditional Georgian seasoning and it's a little um, spicy, a little smoky, kind of a little bit sour. Um, it's a really um, lovely spice blend and I kind of use it whenever something calls for chili powder. Um, I was able to find coriander seeds and cumin seeds. I didn't have cloves so I just didn't do them. Uh, for the cardamom pods, I had some ground 
cardamom from Oaktown Spice Shop, and I just replaced that. I just I think it did ended up doing like a half teaspoon or something instead of the uh, cardamom pods. Um, I had cinnamon, I had the black peppercorns, I had the ginger, I had the garlic, I had the brown sugar. Um, I wasn't able to find fenugreek seeds at my grocery store, um, and they didn't have them at the spice shop either. So I had some ground fenugreek, and I used that instead. Um, I just replaced it one to one. I did it calls for one teaspoon of fenugreek seeds. I did one teaspoon of powdered uh, turmeric powder. I had for white vinegar. I forgot that I had white vinegar in my pantry. I really need to be better about checking my pantry before I go grocery shopping. Uh, so I ended up using um, apple cider vinegar, and it was just fine. All right, and then for the curry sauce, it calls for ghee or unsalted butter, onion, ginger, garlic, black mustard seeds, tomato paste, fresh curry leaves, and beef stock. So I did have some ghee on hand. I got it at Trader Joe's. You can get ghee at your regular grocery store. It's usually in the Asian food section. And the reason why you want to use ghee instead of butter is because ghee has a higher smoke point when compared to butter, so it doesn't burn as quickly. This makes it perfect for sauteing or frying foods. Uh, next we had um, calls for an onion, and it said brown, yellow, or white. I think I ended up using, um, I think, I think I had a regular, I think I had a yellow onion, so I ended up using that. And then uh, the black mustard seeds. I can get these at my local spice shop, but I already had some yellow mustard seeds on hand, so I just subbed those in for the black mustard seeds. Um, I didn't have any curry leaves, didn't know where I could get them around where I live. They are not a common item around here, so I just skipped them. And then beef stock, I always use uh, the better than bouillon uh, base for my stocks, and they have a huge range of stocks these days that are both, um, you can get them in organic, you can get reduced sodium, and they have them on all different sorts of flavors. And I highly recommend those if you cannot make your own homemade uh, stocks. So the method for this is you're going to want to first make your curry paste. So you put everything into a food processor and make it smooth. Then you're going to pour it over your meat, which should be chopped up into about half-inch pieces and salted. So you're going to pour that over um, your meat, and then you're going to marinate it in the refrigerator for at least two hours. I think we did it for about four. So um, it should be fairly thin at this point. Um, it's going to cook down in the oven. So once you're ready to cook your meat, you're going to want to preheat your oven and then make your curry sauce. And so there you're going to be melting your ghee on the stovetop and adding in all those um, aromatics and then adding in your seasonings and then pureeing it and then putting it with your meat uh, that's already kind of in your pot. And then you're going to go ahead and put that in the oven and cook it for about two hours or so. And two hours was definitely enough time for us. It was very tender when we uh, took it out. The sauce was very dark, uh, very thick, and really, really delicious. Uh, the kids loved this. I loved it. My husband wouldn't stop talking about how good it was and that it was a keeper, and he must have said that like three or four times. And he's not normally into Indian food uh, or into curries or like spicy things. So I was really happy that everybody really seemed to like this. 
and we served it with um, some store-bought garlic naan if you have time to make your own go for it uh, we didn't and uh, with a rice and peas uh, as our sides then we also had a uh, dessert with it and I don't normally make dessert especially um, not during the holidays so but one of my daughters specifically asked that I make a strawberry pie and so I kind of use this as an opportunity to make a recipe from Smitten Kitchen every day that I had never had the chance to make before and I wanted to and that was Julie's punked strawberry tart and like I said this is from the book Smitten Kitchen Every Day by Deb Perlman. If you're not familiar with the Smitten Kitchen blog, you should be. Uh, it's fantastic. Her writing is wonderful. It's one of the few cookbooks and blogs where I really, really like to read the head notes um, and not just skip to the recipe. I'm not sure if it was my lack of knowledge or skill or the recipe, but I was not happy with how this turned out. So. Instead of making my own crust, I did use a store-bought crust from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's um, pre-made pie, frozen pie crusts are not good. The flavor is fine, but I have never had them not completely fall apart uh, when unrolling. Other store-bought brands, I don't have this problem, but Trader Joe's pre-made pie crusts just completely fall apart. I do like to use their products though because they don't have preservatives. Um, but I don't think I'm going to buy their pre-made pie crusts again. So then, uh, so this has a crust, it has a custard, and it has strawberries. It's a very simple recipe in that way. Strawberries are absolutely not in season, so um, I un completely understand that this was not the best time to make this pie or this tart, but, you know, just went for it anyway. And I had never made a custard on the stovetop before. I've made baked custards, you know, like a pumpkin pie, but I'd never made a stovetop custard. And I was really unsure of how thick it was supposed to be. So in the recipe, she says to make your custard. So you whisk everything together, right? And then you put it on the stovetop and you bring it to a stimmer, stirring constantly until the th custard thickens four to seven minutes and then remove from the heat and whisk in the kirsch. I didn't use any kirsch because I didn't want to put alcohol in something I was going to be giving to the kids. And then let the custard cool completely in the fridge or you can hasten this along by placing the bowl in a larger bowl of ice water. What I was confused by was how thick is this custard supposed to be because my custard had thickened, it tasted delicious, it tasted like the best vanilla pudding ever. Uh, but it was a sloppy mess in the pie crust. Um, even after refrigeration, it was like custardy uh, pudding soup. Um, not quite soup, but it was very, very uh, loose still. And I think that I was supposed to make it thicker, but I do feel like the recipe here didn't provide me with enough information as to how thick this pastry cream was supposed to be. Um, this is also a gap in my knowledge. I'm not a big dessert person. I'm not a big custard person. So I just didn't have that knowledge as to how thick it was supposed to be. I also found the flavors to be a little one note. It's a very nice sweet vanilla flavor and then some strawberries. This would have been better when strawberries are in season. So I'm not going to completely dismiss it, but I don't think I would make this recipe again. All right, so next on our list, we have the 
Beef Flout is supreme from HelloFresh. And we use HelloFresh for two meals a week. We're gonna actually be stopping that because it's gotten a little expensive. It's usually about $8.99 per serving. So it runs us about $85 a week, which is, I think, a little bit too expensive. Um, the meals, though, are usually really good. They provide us with a lot of leftovers. We um, generally don't eat all of it at once. So it's, um, it, it doesn't last, it's just one meal. Um, so the beef flautas, uh, these were ground beef with some seasoning and spices, onions and cheese, rolled up in uh, flour tortilla and baked. And they were served with uh, salsa fresca and lime crema. And we also had some uh, baby carrots on the side as our veggie. They were a bit greasy and a little heavy, but they were super delicious. I mean, we ate all of them. Not that night, but we pretty much ate almost all of them that night. And they were so good. Uh, the kids asked for like thirds. So we were really happy with <laughs> this meal and we really enjoyed it. It's something that I can very easily uh, recreate at home and uh, not have to uh, get a recipe kit for. Uh, next we have the mustard soy salmon, which is also from HelloFresh. And this is a mustard soy glazed pan fried salmon filet with uh, roasted carrots and ginger rice. We love salmon. It's pretty much the only fish that we buy because it's the only fish that's available really at the regular grocery store. And I know that the kids really like it. I really like it. The husband really likes it. So it's my go-to fish. I know how to cook it. So I, my husband knows how to cook it. So it's the fish that we eat. And it's always a hit. And this was so, so good. The sauce was sweet and salty and tangy and thick and rich and it was delicious. The salmon skin got really really crispy and when it was glazed with the sauce it was so so good. My only quibble was that it said to cook the salmon for about five to seven minutes on one side skin down and then flip it over for another two minutes and then it would be done. It was not anywhere close to being done. And I was even cooking it on what I call my hell burner, which is my burner that gets way, way too hot. Um, so I don't know what was going on there if uh, I just wasn't cooking it correctly or if the recipe was really off or if my fillets were a lot thicker than what they were expecting the fillets to be. And the, the rice was really good and uh, the carrots were awesome. Uh, the girls actually asked for seconds on the carrots, which they don't usually ask for seconds on their veggies and they just really love them. I personally couldn't stop seeking, like sneaking any more pieces of the, the crispy salmon skin, so it was a hit. Next we have the crispy tacos from Homesick Texan and I did not cook this. My husband cooked this on Tuesday when I take my one of my daughters to dance class and I printed out the recipe for him, kind of, you know, made some notes for like, you know, what substitutions that you need to make. And, um, and it seemed like he did a really good job. It was really delicious and he um, was really successful and I really enjoyed it. Uh, we did have to make some, some substitutions. So let me kind of go over what ingredients were in this and what we had to substitute. Uh, so this calls for vegetable oil, yellow onion, jalapeno, garlic, ground beef, chili powder, ground cumin, dried oregano, salt, pepper, cayenne, a plum tomato, cilantro, and lime juice. 
So, of course we have vegetable oil. We used a red onion instead of a yellow onion because we had it left over from something else. Skip the jalapeno because we didn't have it. I forgot to get it. Also, just, you know, spice levels. Garlic. I thought I had bought garlic, enough garlic for this week. I didn't. So he just ended up using some powdered garlic that we had on hand. And then for the ground beef, um, we used a 80-20 mixture because typically the fattier ground beef is going to be cheaper. It was running about $5.50 a pound here, um, and it's a little bit more expensive for those leaner uh, ratios. And it was a little greasy, but you know it was fine for what we were using it for. And then for the chili powder, we substituted the Ajika seasoning for the chili powder because I didn't have any chili powder on hand. And then for the cumin, Al couldn't find the cumin, and so he ended up using ground. He ended up using cumin seeds instead, and it was fine. And then the only other thing was we had a like a large beef steak tomato instead of a plum tomato that we used. We skipped the cilantro because it's the devil's herb and it tastes like soap. And we just kind of skipped the lime juice because I didn't have any lime. I dehydrated all of my citrus the other day so that it wouldn't go bad. And the one thing that I kind of messed up on with preparing him to make this recipe was I didn't let him know that we already had some taco shells that I had bought pre-made, you know, those kind of not great ones from the store. And so he, we did have some fresh corn tortillas though in the refrigerator and he actually fried all of them up into the taco shells, which I was really impressed by. I wouldn't have bothered doing it. That's why I had bought the taco shells. and uh, But they turned out fantastic, and everybody really loved dinner that night. And we, uh, for the toppings, we did iceberg lettuce, tomato, and some shredded yellow cheddar cheese. And so pretty much you just make the filling and stir it, add the seasonings, and just simmer it until it is all brown and really delicious and then you serve it on up on your taco shells or you gotta make your taco shells with your fresh corn tortillas. Alright, so the last recipe that I'm gonna talk about is um, from Dinner for Everyone by Mark Bittman and I got this book from the library and it is a kind of a really cool cookbook because it is uh, what he calls a hundred iconic dishes made three ways. So he's got the easy version, the vegan version, and the perfect for company version. And I did a pasta bake that was the vegan version, and it was called a Mediterranean gratin. And let me go over what the ingredients for this are. Okay, so we have olive oil, raw almonds, two red onions, stale crusty bread, parsley, broccoli rob black olives, garlic, tomato paste, white wine or water, cooked cannellini beans or canned cannellini beans, and whole wheat pasta. And you want like a small shape, like a penne. So I made so many substitutions <laughs> to this recipe that I don't necessarily think that this is a fair review of the recipe. I think this recipe would actually be delicious if it had, you know, if I had followed it exactly. But this is kind of an opportunity to really talk about how we make substitutions and work around not having access to specific ingredients, or what do you do when you forget something and you mess up. So first is I had to substitute the almonds uh, because I forgot to buy almonds, and I don't particularly like almonds all that much, 
and they're really expensive and not really all that environmentally friendly. They're really water intensive. So I had peanuts on hand and I used peanuts. That was a mistake. I should have just left the nuts out. The peanut, every time I would taste, I would bite into a piece of the peanut, that f peanut flavor just overwhelmed everything else. Um, I skipped the parsley because the bunches they sell at the grocery store are just too large and I never use it up, so I just sort of skipped it. If I grew parsley, I would have used it, but I just, the bunches are so large and I'm never going to get through that much parsley. Then I had to substitute kale for the broccoli rob, which was really disappointing because I really love broccoli rob, um, but they just don't have it at my grocery store and I thought that kale would be a fine enough substitution. It worked all right. Um, any kind of like heavier, um, thicker, like uh, wintry green is gonna work well uh, for substituting broccoli rob. And then I um, didn't put black olives in it because I messed up and thought I had black olives, but no, I only had green olives that were stuffed with jalapenos. And I figured that that would be the wrong uh, choice would, to add them. It really missed having that bitter, salty brininess of the olives. It really needed something like that. If you can't find, if you don't have olives on hand, um, I would recommend that you use something like a caper instead, um, or maybe add a little bit of like some vinegar, or maybe even some anchovies. That would make it not vegan, but. It would still kind of give that salty, briny taste uh, to it. And then um, there was no garlic because, like I said, I messed up earlier in the week and didn't buy enough garlic. And, and so I ended up having to really add a lot of things to give it some flavor because of the substitutions that I had to make and the missing ingredients. So I added onion salt, black garlic crystals from Trader Joe's, um, umami mushroom seasoning from Trader Joe's, and South African smoke seasoning salt from Trader Joe's. You can see, I do a lot of uh, buying of my spices from Trader Joe's, and this really kind of helped of, of the flavor. I still wasn't that into the taste of it, but I think that is more due to the errors that I made as opposed to anything wrong with the recipe. So some other things that I did were um, I didn't use a whole wheat pasta. I think this actually would be a really good place to use a whole wheat pasta and I think it would have the sweet kind of nuttiness of whole wheat pasta would have lended itself really well to these flavors especially up against the kind of bitterness of the kale and I can see it really working with broccoli rob. So I um, used just regular old mini, little mini shells. They worked just fine. Uh, the texture was all right. And then I had some ricotta cheese hanging out in my fridge that I needed to use up. So I just made some little divots in the top of the pasta bake and I just plopped on some spoonfuls of ricotta cheese. Then I topped it with the breadcrumbs and the pasta go is already mostly cooked, it's parboiled, um, and on all your greens and all your veggies are already cooked. And then you add the breadcrumbs on top, and then I also added um, some, I had just a very small amount of Parmesan cheese hanging out in my fridge, 
And so I added that to my breadcrumbs just for a little bit more flavor. And it is, you know, just your kind of general, like, hey, this is a pasta bake. Uh, I think that the idea is really good, this pasta bake with this nice crunchy topping, um, but I don't think I would make it again anytime soon because I just, it was a lot of work for me for a weeknight meal, and I I ate it, the girls said they liked it, but they didn't ask for any more, and they didn't actually finish the serving on their plate, which is rare, because they're actually pretty good eaters. So th we went over the Mediterranean Gratin from Dinner for Everyone by Mark Bittman, and that is not a keeper. The... Julia's Punked Strawberry Tart from Smitten Kitchen Every Day. And again, that's also not a keeper for me. The Vindaloo from Recipe Tin Eats, total keeper. Definitely going to use that one again. And the Classic Crispy Tacos from Homesick Texan, would absolutely use that recipe again. And then our two HelloFresh meals, uh, which we're not going to be using HelloFresh anymore, but I would totally make things based off of those recipes uh, again. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. What are some of the substitutions that you need to make? What are some recipes that you really like to cook that are big and uh, keepers in your house? Uh, go ahead and let me know. <laughs>